Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance family conversation, and it's great to be with you as always. And as always, we like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many titles. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is also the Mother of the Church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. We also cry out to Mary as our life and our sweetness and our hope. So we're in the Naveen in preparation for the feast day of Our Lady, the Immaculate Conception, which we celebrate December 8th. Also conclude the year in honor of St. Joseph. Also today, would be a day in which we we could start another novena. That would be a novena to Our Lady of Guadalupe, who's our patron. We always have her in the background here in our studio as we give our conversation talks to you. So it's a very key Marian time of the year, this Advent, the Immaculate Conception, as well as Our Lady of Guadalupe. And today we celebrate a, a great saint that can help us to really love God more and more. So we'll learn about this saint as well as the readings for the day. So let's start our conversation by invoking Mary to be with us, as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Of course, we would like also to invite our spiritual director to be with us. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. There are many titles we can give for the Holy Spirit, among which are the following. The Holy Spirit is a paraclete. Holy Spirit is also the gift of gifts. The Holy Spirit is the sweet guest of our souls. The Holy Spirit is also known as the sanctifier. He who makes us holy. The Holy Spirit is also Our Consoler, 
He's also our counselor. And he is our deep friend. We're never alone from the state of grace because the Holy Spirit lives within us. So let's turn to the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. Groans so that we can say, Abba, which means Daddy or Father. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the lay of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Francis Xavier, pray for us. St. Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We welcome you all to our Perseverance family conversation. And as always, it's Great to be with all of you in this first week of Advent, a day in which we will be talking today about a great missionary saint. His name is St. Francis Xavier. But before we get into this, the life of this great saint who should inspire us to do great things for God. I'd like to offer my prayers for all of you and for your intentions. My first would be for your sanctification. In honor of St. Francis Xavier, that all of you would make a concerted effort to grow daily in holiness. Remembering the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be holy as your Heavenly Father is holy. Be holy. It's called the universal call to holiness. All of us are called to become saints. So you can pray to St. Francis Xavier who's uh, in heaven listening to us that even his missionary zeal will ignite us from heaven to become like him, to become a great missionary. May we experience his presence today, his power, his zeal for God and for souls in our lives. My second intention, I'd like to pray in a special way for your family and your children. These very difficult times where there's political unrest, social upheaval, a worldwide pandemic, problems within the church, problems with dysfunctional families. We're living in a difficult time. I'd like to pray in a special way for yourselves and your children. The first reading today in the Gospels related to eyes, sight, blindness, and the blindness being taken away and sight restored. That's the basic theme. The basic theme 
of the first reading from Isaiah and the Gospel taken from Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 to 31. The theme of blindness and sight. Pray that our children would not be blinded, but they would be able to see the face of Christ in their prayer, the face of Christ in the Mass, the face of Christ in the Eucharist. That's right. So I'd like to place you and your family, your children, your teenagers, I'd like to place them on the altar as they celebrate my Mass today. I actually have two Masses, so I'll be praying double blessings for you and your family members. And my last intention, my last intention would be the following. I'd like to pray in this special way for all of us that we try to grow in our prayer life. My catechetical instruction to help us to pray today would be this. Ask the saints to pray for you. Especially St. Francis Xavier. Ask for his prayers before the throne of God that your hearts will be set on fire with the, for the love of God. May St. Francis Xavier help us to become modern missionaries in our world. So there we have it. So as mentioned, a lot, oh, my last intention I'd like to make is this evening uh, at, uh, at about 7 o'clock, I'm going to be starting a new program. And my program will be, I'll be spending the whole year on explaining the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So the whole year, I'll be explaining the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass starting today, Friday, at a little bit after 7 o'clock, after the, after the 6 o'clock Mass at about 7.15. I'd like to invite all of you to pray for this apostolic initiative that I'm undertaking on the feast day of Francis Xavier. And many, many people will come so that we can plumb the depths, plumb the depths of really what mass is. There has been mass confusion over the past 50 years. I'd like to explain the mass in many different facets or dimensions of the mass. So last, I'd like to ask for your prayers that uh, this would be a, a year of grace for myself, for the parish, and for all who participate in this course on the Mass. So ask for your prayers on that. So um, the first reading from Isaiah and the Gospel reading is a reading that refers to eyes and light and blindness and the recover the recovery of sight the giving of light i'd like to apply this to the saint that we celebrate today and to jesus christ jesus christ said that i am the light of the world but Jesus Christ also said, you are the light of the world also. He is the light of the world and we're the light of the world. 
And after Jesus, the greatest lights of the world are the saints. Hans von Balthasar gives us this example. If we look up to the firmament, the sky at night, we can see the firmament, the sky is speckled with stars. All shining, but with a different glimmer. Those stars in the firmament of heaven are the saints. They're shining in heaven because they were shining on earth. You are called to be one day one of those stars in the firmament of heaven. To be shining brightly. Whoever we have to start to shine, we have to start to shine here on earth. Let the light of Christ shine upon you in your holy hour and then you can shine on others. So these saints are those luminaries in heaven, the stars on earth, those who put into practice what Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Don't put your light underneath a bushel basket, but rather put it on the lampstand so that all may see and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So who is this great saint that we celebrate today? He's a saint that God used because he allowed himself to be used by God in a very, very difficult time. He lived in the time of the Protestant Reformation. So God raised him up to do immense good in very difficult times. We are also living in very difficult times and God is calling us to do great things. So what do we know about what do we know about this saint? What do we know about this saint? He was born in Spain April 7th. 1506, and he died today, December 3rd, 1552. So you see, my friends, that this man only lived to be 46 years of age, relatively young. But he did a lot of good in the time that God gave to him. He was born in the castle of Navarre near the city of Pamplona where there would be the very famous battle of Pamplona where St. Ignatius was wounded. Francis Xavier was uh, of noble birth but his parents basically lost their wealth because of circumstances. Francis was the last child. His parents had him later on in life and his older siblings, many of them were almost adults. So it's almost as if he were an only child. His parents loved him very much and tutored him and tried to give him the best education possible. He was very intelligent, very gifted, a born leader, very charismatic. In other words, he had incredible human gifts that eventually he's going to be using for the honor and glory of God and to save souls. 
So, as a young man, he heads off to study at the most prestigious university in the world. So back in the 1500s, it was the University of Paris, where St. Thomas Aquinas had taught 300 years earlier. The University of Paris. While there, he's studying. He's a brilliant student. But also he's a great athlete. He's an extrovert. People really like him. He's a born leader. And what he wanted when he arrived at the University of Paris, he wanted to be famous. He wanted to be powerful. He wanted to be praised. He wanted luxury. In other words, he was absorbed in a materialistic, vain lifestyle. But providence, God knows how to work. God sets up circumstances to carry out his will. As St. Paul says, for those who love God, all things work together for the good. So as it turns out, he ends up by rooming with two other two other men who also had their gifts. One was a man named Pierre Favre. And then another one was an older man whose name was Ignatius of Loyola. Ignatius of Loyola was born in 1491, Savior 1506, so he's 15 years the senior of Francis Xavier. And Ignatius has already gone through his conversion. He's already giving, given the spiritual exercises with huge success. His student, Pierre Favre, who had a lot of problems, especially scruples, fears. Phobias. Ignatius takes Pierre Favre through the exercises and there's a radical transformation. Favre, Pierre Favre falls in love with Christ. But in the meantime, as they are going to school, they're doing their studies, they're passing their exams, preparing themselves for a prestigious career. Francis Xavier doesn't really like Ignatius at first. Francis Xavier is a, is a top-notch student. He's a superb athlete, especially the high jump. He could probably make it to the Olympics and the high jump today. Dynamic, happy, strong, worldly. Ignatius sees that this man, Francis Xavier, if he were converted. And if he were to place his gifts at the service of God, this man could do incredible good. I think Ignatius had that insight. So Ignatius... He's going to try to convince Francis Xavier to to do the spiritual exercises. That's right. 
And one of the key phrases or motivational points or God presences in the life of both Xavier and Ignatius Loyola were the words that St. Ignatius said to Francis Xavier from the Bible. And Ignatius said this to Xavier. What would it profit a man? What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Ignatius kept repeating this phrase to Francis Xavier. He didn't give in right away. But Ignatius went after him. He got his degree in philosophy. He started to teach. Ignatius would send him students Ignatius would also give him money. Ignatius was very tenacious in going after this man because he knew once converted and once he placed his his mind, his intellect, his will, his strength, his energy at the service of God, there'd be no turning back. And that he could be instrumental in saving many, many souls for Christ. So after repeating this biblical phrase over and over again, praying for his companion, Savior, Francis Savior finally gave in. He gave in to making the spiritual exercises. Who was the master? Ignatius and especially the Holy Spirit. So Ignatius took Francis Xavier through the the whole of the spiritual exercises. And the exercises transformed Francis Xavier. However, Ignatius said that Francis Xavier was the hardest nut to crack. One of the penances that were imposed upon him were to to wrap ropes around his legs because of the vanity he had in running and his self-aggrandizement because of his sports feats, and the rope was actually digging into the skin. Xavier suffered, and Ignatius finally said, you can cut those ropes now. But Xavier, after doing the exercises, went through a radical conversion by the spiritual exercises. So as I explained the life of Xavier, I'd like to point, highlight points for us. Many of you have done the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Many of you have done the spiritual exercise with me. Try to revisit your own personal conversion experience and thank God for that. And if we've been somewhat lackadaisical or maybe lazy or putting off our relationship with God, in honor of Francis Xavier, let's return to God and be faithful to our own meditation, faithful to our own mental prayer, faithful to our own contemplations. in honor of the great Francis Xavier. So once he finishes these exercises, 
Ignatius is forming a group of men. There's about seven of them all together with Ignatius himself. And they make vows to follow God. And they form a new order called La Compagnie de Jesus, the Company of Jesus, the Jesuits. Francis Xavier is ordained a Catholic priest. He with Ignatius and the company, they go to Rome and the Holy Father, Pope Paul III, he approves of this new fledgling order. And Ignatius also offers four vows, poverty, chastity, obedience, and an availability to be willing to go wherever the Pope would send them. So the fourth vow would be availability to the call of the Pope, of the Holy Father. So the company of Jesus, they end up in Rome. Now they're in Rome. What are they doing? They're preaching, they're teaching catechism, they're helping out the poor, they're helping out the sick, they're visiting hospitals. In other words, they're dedicating themselves in large measure to living out the corporal works of mercy. I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was a prisoner. All these corporal and spiritual works of mercy they're trying to trying to implement. And Francis Xavier is very enthusiastic in this. Because, because of his gifts, he actually becomes somewhat of a secretary to Ignatius, and now they become they become the best of friends. United in goal and purpose. Now they want to do the AMDG. They want to do everything for the honor and glory of God. And they want to save souls. They want to save souls. So, there they are, centered in Rome. And the Holy Father had a great missionary desire. Because back then, this is the 1500s, the center of Catholicism is basically in Europe, in France, Spain, Italy, Germany, Austria, Belgium. So the the heart of Catholicism is in Europe. The Holy Father had an inspiration. Why not go beyond Europe and bring the Catholic faith to other places? Why not go to the East? So the Holy Father asked St. Ignatius if he could send a couple of his priests to the Far East to evangelize there. Obedient to the vow, St. Ignatius obeys the Pope and he picks out two of his priests to be sent to India and to arrive at the west part of India, a place called Goa. However, what happened, look how divine providence works. These two priests that Ignatius was about to send, they both got sick. So Ignatius turns to his friend, his companion, Francis Xavier. And asked Francis Xavier if he would be available to go 
to the Far East and to do mission missionary work there. Francis Xavier simply obeys God through his superior, Ignatius, and through the through the invitation of the Holy Father the Pope. So there's a very moving moment. Ignatius talked with Francis Xavier before he left. He said never to leave off his daily exam and insisted upon the importance of the daily exam so as to be aware of God's presence in our lives. Aware of God's presence in our lives. So the last words that Ignatius says to Francis Xavier were these, as he sends him off to India. He says, go set all on fire. Go set all on fire. Those were the words that Ignatius Loyola said to Francis Avery, sends him off to India. So, Francis Xavier disembarks from Portugal. He embarks and he spends several months on the ship. While on the ship, he gets seasick very often. But also he dedicated that time on the ship to preaching, teaching, evangelizing. The crew, the people that were on the ship with him, he has this great zeal, this great zeal to work to save souls. So Francis Xavier arrives at the western part of India. And what does he do in the western part of India? I think it has to be said before speaking about his apostolic enterprises and huge success. He said Francis Xavier was a man of deep prayer. Such that he would spend long hours and night praying to the Lord, worshipping the Lord, loving the Lord. And the consolation received with God was so strong that at times he said, Lord, it's enough. I will die of love for you. So this apostolic zeal of Francis Xavier is derives from his deep union with God in prayer. For that reason, a great modern missionary, Fulton Sheen, says, the dynamic has to be first come, then go. First come, then go. So, he arrives... at India and he meets huge masses of people. He had a special love for the poor, the sick, and especially the lepers. That's right. The poor, the sick, and the lepers. And he adapted himself to them. He lived in a very simple hut. He lived with the poor. 
he ate the simple food that was given to him. And then he dedicated himself to try to save as many souls as possible. Among the many gifts that he had was St. Francis Xavier was able to learn languages. Obviously the Holy Spirit was with him. And what he did was he would go from one town to the next and he would preach the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Even though the Portuguese had arrived then, there was a lot of corruption. And many of the Portuguese, even though they were Catholics, many of them had little interest in evangelizing, but also, but they wanted a lot of money and live a life of leisure and luxury and even vice. Which caused Francis Xavier to suffer very much. So he learns the language. He helps with the poor. He helps the sick. He has a tender love for the lepers. Then he goes from one town to another. Which he's preaching and teaching and catechizing the basics of the faith. And then one of his one of the highlights of the life of Francis Xavier is that he baptizes he baptizes so many people, thousands that he's baptizing with water, he's lifting up his arm and his hand. And it said of him at the end of the day, his arm was so tired that he couldn't lift it up anymore because he had baptized so many, purifying these people in the waters of baptism. So he'd set up catechetical, catechetical centers and then he'd form catechists to teach them then he moved from one town to the next. Not only did he know language, but also he recognized the importance of song. So he would sometimes put catechetical, the basic catechetical truths in the form of a song. When he'd come, they'd be ringing the bell, the people would come. And he do something like this. Why are we created? We are created to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life. So as to be with God forever in heaven. So he would put the catechetical truths in the form of a chime, a chant, a song. And the children that would be listening to this, they'd go back to their home where their parents were and they would be able to sing, Mom and Dad, why are we created to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life so as to be with Him in heaven? So the children would be singing to the parents and so he would, the children would be evangelizing the parents when they'd come home. Very, 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 very unique, very, very original. So he worked day and night preaching, teaching, visiting the sick, visiting the lepers, helping out the poor. And his big success was not among the rich, but his big success was especially among the poor. Now, he sent up these centers, 
catechetical centers. And he writes some letters which we have that he would send to St. Ignatius Loyola. One of the most moving letters we actually have in the Liturgy of the Hours, if you read and pray the Liturgy of the Hours, it's a letter that St. Francis sent to, to Ignatius Loyola. And the essence of the letter is this. He says that since he has arrived, he has barely had enough time to say his prayers or even to eat. Because these people, these children, they have a real hunger for God. So they won't leave him alone until he teaches them a prayer. And Francis Xavier says that these poor people is like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. He notices that some of them are of high intelligence. But there's no priest to celebrate the Mass and the sacraments. Then with great heaviness of heart, Xavier says he would love to go to return to Europe. Especially to the University of Paris. Invite those who are there in academics to give more importance to the salvation of souls than the reading of their books. And with a certain frustration, he says that thanks be to you in your books, in your academics, many of these people will possibly not be saved for all eternity. He goes on to say, many of them in the University of Paris would be good if they became missionaries. And even if they were sent to India, as he was, working day in and day out, Francis Xavier would end up by baptizing thousands and thousands and thousands of souls. But his missionary heart was so extensive, this great man of God, that he walked hundreds and hundreds of miles preaching and teaching and evangelizing. But it wasn't enough for him just to evangelize India. And see how this is related to the first reading of the gospel today. The first reading of the Gospel today is related to sight. The Gospel is you have two blind men who follow Jesus. They cry out to him, Son of David, have pity on us. Jesus enters the house and he says, Do you believe I can do this? And they say yes. And our Lord gives them sight. Our Lord gives them sight Francis Xavier was a man giving light, giving sight to many so that they could see Jesus Christ who is the light of the world and their salvation. So see Francis Xavier in the Gospel today as the Jesus Christ who arrived at India and other places to cast out the darkness and to bring light. So Goa was his center in India, the west part of India. But Xavier was not, he was not content to just work in India. He wanted, he had a, he had a, a very, very expansive heart. He wanted to save the whole world for Christ. 
So we head to Malaysia, Indonesia. He preaches there. And then he ends up, he arrives at Japan. And eventually he's going to feel that not only Japan, but we have to arrive at China. But start with Japan. And this was his idea that the Japanese have a great respect for China, which is an even older tradition. If we can arrive at China, that will have the domino effect to, to convert the Japanese and, and many, many people. So what does Francis Xavier do? Now, when he arrives at Japan, it's interesting. With the people of India, he identified himself with the with the poorest of the poor. In a certain sense, the outcast class of the Indian society. He fit in very well with the poor, the sick, the abandoned. He loved the lepers. And he dressed in very simple garb. The garb, basically, of the poor people. Francis Xavier was given by the Holy See the responsibility of being the papal diplomat, the nuncio, we might call him today, the papal diplomat, giving him the authority to, to establish Catholic centers in the East and the Far East. But here we see in Francis Xavier arriving in Japan the importance of the theology of adaptation to evangelize the culture, to evangelize the culture with Christ. So what does he do? He could not have access to the emperor just by being dressed in what appeared to be rags. For the, for the Japanese. They wouldn't accept him as such. So what he, did, what he did was he donned, he put on very elegant, attractive, somewhat luxurious garments so as to present himself before the emperor. And he offered gifts And this is in the 1500s. So the Japanese emperor admired him and gave Francis Xavier permission to preach the gospel. So here we see another element in the life of Xavier, the principle of adapting to people. Not diluting Catholic faith, but adapting the culture, the traditions, the mores, the social mores of the people, assuming those as a means by which he could be a bridge to bring them to Christ. Not only did he learn the Indian language, but he was able to learn the basics just the basics of the Japanese language so that he could catechize them. He could teach them the basics of the faith. And then eventually he could baptize them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. So he works in Japan as preacher, as teacher, as priest, as catechist, administering the sacraments. It's incredible we see how this one man was able to do so much
But he had this ardent desire within his heart. St. Ignatius said, Go set all on fire. He took those words to heart very seriously. And this was his reasoning. Here I am in Japan with modest success in Japan and I've left India setting up centers, catechetical centers there. But China is a huge, huge country. There are many, many souls. But the tradition and the culture of Chinese goes even beyond the Japanese. So his reasoning was that if I can get into China and I can have permission to plant the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in China, then the Chinese will be the means by which the Japanese can be converted. That was his reasoning. If you like, kind of a domino effect. He had such a great desire to arrive at China that he said, if I can't get a boat, I will swim there. I will swim to arrive at China if I can't get a boat. Such was his ardent desire. But as it is, as he was sailing, heading toward mainland China, he gets sick. He gets a high fever. So, before arriving at mainland China, they take him to a an island off mainland China called the island of Sanchan. Now there he is present with a poor fisherman. And his fever is very intense. And he's there in a little shack. And Francis Xavier this was December 3rd, 1552. Francis Xavier dies on the island of Sanchan overlooking mainland China, which was his destination. Basically dying all alone. Francis Xavier, St. Francis Xavier, my friends, was only 46 years. His missionary work in India, Malaysia, Japan, with his heart set on China, was all done, my friends, in barely 11 years. He had done so much baptizing thousands of souls, preaching and teaching catechists, setting up catechetical centers, helping out the poor, adapting himself to the culture of the people, learning their language, bending over backwards to do all he possibly could to save souls. Those words of his dear companion and friend, Ignatius Loyola, they resounded in the very depths of his heart until his last breath. Those last words that resounded in the heart of Francis Xavier were these words. Francis, 
the words of Ignatius. Francis, go set all on fire. Let us pray. Let, let us beg through the intercession of Francis Xavier that Francis Xavier would give us some of that fire. That we ourselves, like Francis Xavier, would have a great desire to go set all on fire. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Upon me thou hast laid thy hand.